Get your portfolio in shape today with Fitbit on this episode of Industry Focus. Greetings, fools. Welcome to Industry Focus. Uh, I'm Vincent Shen with Dylan Lewis. I'm hosting today, filling in for Sean. Um, how you doing, Dylan? Good. Good, Vince. A uh, little mix-up here. Yeah, I'm getting used to a bit more of the hosting role here, so uh, bear with me, audience. But uh, I think we have a really fun show today. Uh, very timely, too, because the company we're talking about actually just went public yesterday. Yeah, Fitbit uh, just hit the market yesterday. Uh, shares opened up at $30.40 Thursday morning, uh, up from uh, 52% from their IPO price of 20 bucks, And uh, they closed about 48% up, and they're up again today about another 5%. Oh, wow. So, definitely a successful offering by most standards. Yeah, market seems very happy with the issuance. Um, And just some background on the company, uh, the company's mission, Fitbit helps people lead healthier, more active lives by empowering them with data, inspiration, and guidance to reach their goals. And how they're doing that uh, with these wristband fitness trackers uh, that you probably see a bunch of people out with. I know tons of people here at Full HQ wear them. Uh, They seem to be pretty popular. I know we can get them through our internal gold system. Um, but I, I've definitely seen quite a few people with them out. Yeah. I have to say that if I didn't wear like a normal kind of more traditional watch and I had to pick up, a, you know, a technology focused kind of wearable, Fitbit would definitely be in the running for me. I, I like it. They have some, they have like six different designs, I think. Mm-hmm. And some of them are much more minimal, kind of just looks like a, like a Livestrong bracelet almost. And yeah. I prefer that kind of look. So definitely some good products. Yeah. And just for our listeners, some context, uh, in terms of product functionality, uh, they're capable of tracking steps, calories burned, distance traveled, active minutes, and they provide a lot of this in real time. Uh, some of the more advanced models also can handle uh, sleep duration and quality, as well as heart rate and GPS info. So if you have an exercise route that you're regularly going on, they can kind of track you on that. They can also go with speed and distance. Very nice, very nice. And they also have um, a lot of like analysis and stuff that you can do from the data that it collects, right? Mm-hmm. That's supposed to like reinforce your fitness routine or whatever? Yeah, there's uh, there's kind of like these nudges within this platform that they built out to kind of keep you going and keep you motivated. So it's not simply something that's tracking. It's something that is kind of actively involved in your workout. Okay, okay. So how about this this deal itself? So, you know, overall it traded up like almost 50% on the first day. So it seems like pretty big success. I'm sure the company's happy. Um was there any other details? Like I, I saw, the upsize was was they did that twice. It seems so. Yeah, I mean that, that's always a good sign. Um, you know, total size of the deal was around thirty six million, thirty seven million with rounding. Uh, the company itself issued twenty two million shares, and uh, internal shareholders, and uh, you know some of the VCs that were involved in the deal early on uh, issued about fourteen million. And so, looking at the internal ownership, uh, not too much reason to worry here. Only about four point four million of the shares that were issued came from execs. The rest were private equity and VCs. Things just like that. harvesting their investment share. Yeah, and I think uh, it'd be great to hear with your investing background. It's kind of rare for us to get this perspective. Um, you know what the what the reaction would be from the team that might have underwritten this. Like you know, you have some great perspective there. Sure, sure. So coming from the investment banking world and having uh, you know worked on deals, underwriting IPOs, uh, there's definitely some you know very uh, positive signs that this deal was going well in terms of high investor demand. Um, so you know, initially they filed at fourteen to sixteen dollars per share for the range. You know, at the midpoint, 
give them about uh, an implied valuation of about $3.1 billion. So, you know, they start marketing on the roadshow. They start meeting with these big institutional investors, and the demand is very good. They're probably, you know, they're filling the book very quickly. So it allows them to refile. They file an amendment, and they've raised the range now 17 to $19 per share. And also, they're allowing the uh, secondary component coming from the inside stakeholders to, in- to you know, increase. Uh, how many shares they're selling as part of this deal, and as if that wasn't enough, that's usually, that's already a good sign, right? Yeah. You know, for the final deal, they end up pricing above the range, right? Seventeen to nineteen, they price at twenty bucks. So that's you know, pricing above and already up uh, increased range is very good sign again for high high demand, strong demand from the market, and they also again increase the size of the deal, allowing the inside stakeholders to sell more, to sell uh, a, a bigger component, and you know. Like I said, their original valuation was about $3.1 billion at the middle of the range, but the final deal had them at $4.1 billion, and at the end of the day, after training up 50%, they went up to six, about $6.1 billion. So, you know, I'm sure the, the owners and big stakeholders inside it, the executives at the company, are very happy with uh, those gains. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty bullish outlook and a pretty favorable market reaction so far that we've seen. And I think... Uh, one of the interesting things to note is first day trading. It pretty much locked up around thirty and hovered within a very tight band. Uh, you know, maybe like thirty one twenty five and twenty nine fifty. Like it was pretty tight in there. There wasn't a ton of volatility on the first day. Yeah, it, it was. It was a little surprising. There's always going to be some shifting around, especially right when it opens. Um, but it, it was kind of just like a straight line almost. For, you know, after the first two hours or so of trading. Yeah. So, what do you think though? You know, thirty bucks, six billion dollar valuation. <laughs> These tech companies, you know, GoPro kind of debuted a similar fanfare. Mm-hmm. And they ran into some issues, right? And you mentioned, I, you know, I thought it was a great comparison how similar they kind of are. They have this dominance over this niche. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think? Yeah, so I think when when you're looking at a company coming public uh, and you're kind of getting a first look at their financial statements, you want to benchmark them to something. And it's a little tough here because there isn't another pure play uh, fitness tracking company out there that is strictly in that space. You know, you have some of the other companies. Uh, Google, Samsung, uh, Apple that are also involved in wearables, but uh, you know it's such a small part of their business. Yeah, it's a drop in the bucket for them. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think uh, GoPro is actually a really great parallel for them. Um, you know, it's a hardware company. They have the added value of a platform. Um, in Fitbit's case, it's the add-on incentives to kind of keep people going. Uh, with GoPro, it's you know the media platform that they're trying to build up and uh, sell. And then, you know, I think another huge strength here is the product name is synonymous with the broader category. So people are colloquially saying Fitbit to broadly refer to fitness trackers. And you have that same brand recognition with GoPro. People aren't saying action cameras. They're saying GoPro. Yeah, that's right. Oh, do you have a GoPro? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, that's awesome from a brand recognition Mm -hmm. standpoint. Um, You know, and they're also facing uh, kind of a very similar cast of competitors that are looming off in the distance that could kind of come in. And so, you know, you have your Apple, Google, et cetera, that, you know, off in the distance might be creeping in. Um, But I think more than anything else, uh, it's kind of surprising to see a a big tech company with a splash IPO that is profitable. You know, like this is something Sean and I joke about on the tech show all the time. But, uh, you know, they had 2014 net income of 131 million, which is rare. Yeah, (laughs) I I think that definitely contributed probably to part, at least part of the reason why, uh, you know, the reception was so hot for this. Um, and you know, going off of that, you mentioned that the income was like about 130 for 2014, and this is that's up very, very rapidly because in 2013 it was a net loss actually of mm-hmm. about 52 million. So, 
Um, you know, it looks like their margins and every they're able to spend more in research and development as well. There's the marketing efforts and because their margins are still strong, their sales are growing so rapidly. You know, from 2013 or from 2011 to 2014, they've sales have gone up about 50 times. Yeah, that's crazy. And year over year from first quarter of 2014, the first quarter of this year, they're up about 200%. So like, you know, it definitely has those growth numbers that people want in tech and then it's profitable too. So like you said, yeah, it's kind of a best of both worlds situation. Um, I'll say another huge strength for them is their gross margin. So you look at their 2012 gross margin is around 35%, uh, dipped down to 22% in 2013 and then up to 48% in 2014. And so I think we were talking about this before. I think that's kind of something that they were able to achieve through economies of scale and kind of hitting a critical point in production uh, and distribution. Um, and so those kind of margins allow them to uh, double up their R&D costs or, and uh, double up their, or sorry, quadruple their sales and marketing expenses in 2014, which are great things if you're trying to grow a company. And they're still profitable, too, yeah. on top of all that. Um, and I had some numbers here, too, just like to give you an idea. I think they said that since their inception, right, they've sold about 20 million devices or so. Just about, yeah. And you got to keep in mind that half of that 20 million was just sold in 2014. Yeah. So it's like the demand, like you've mentioned, is hitting that kind of tipping point. Yeah. And this is a very nascent market. You know, people are having a lot of trouble projecting out exactly what it's going to be and what the major players are going to be. Um, and so, you know, like I talked about their gross margin um, as a strength before. I think there's a very real possibility that I could see some competitive pressure in a little while. Okay, so speaking <laughs> of that, you know, you mentioned like how some of the, the mega tech companies like Samsung, Apple, Apple obviously just releases watch that has some like biometrics uh, testing stuff, kind of like the Fitbit does, has some of the similar features. Though it's probably a little bit higher end, more fashion oriented, whereas this is much more utilitarian. But what about like, you know, I always hear about threats from China and Xiaomi. What's their deal here? Yeah, uh, Xiaomi is just looming in the background. Um, you know, so if you look at uh, the major wearables vendors, uh, there's some data from International Data Corp that looked at Q1 shipments. And so Fitbit had about 3.9 million shipments in Q1. Uh, Xiaomi, Chinese producer, had 2.8. And they are just starting to ship out internationally. And um, so, you know, Fitbit products generally range from about $60 to $250. Uh, Xiaomi sells a $15 fitness tracker, uh, which is tough to compete with. That's uh, very, very low on the price. That's a really easy way for people to kind of get into this market, like to try something at almost zero investment. 15 bucks, like that's not even close to you know the next cheapest product probably. Yeah, and I think there is a, there's the thought that, well, maybe $15 is too cheap for American consumers. You know, if you're going to commit to something um, and you want, a, you want to pay a certain amount for it, so, you know, Fitbit might benefit from being in what is kind of a uh, prestige pricing against sure. Xiaomi a little bit. I, sure. think, I think there's some strength there. Um, and maybe people not trusting uh, a foreign producer uh, for quality. But um, that that's a huge threat coming down the pipeline. Yeah. And at the very least, though, Fitbit, you know, their products, like you said, range from about sixty to two hundred and fifty dollars. So there's a range. You know, some people want to try it initially, minimal features. They can go sixty, and then somebody who wants like the full watch that I believe has functionality with your cell phone, taking calls and things like that, you can go up to like the two hundred, two hundred fifty dollar range. So yeah. that that's definitely, I think, uh, it helps that they kind of diversify what their target market is as well. Yeah. So so Xiaomi is a big threat, and I think one of the other big things. Uh, people need to watch with Fitbit. This might not be an immediate concern, but it's something down the road. 
um, is being displaced by a more all-encompassing technology. And, you know, so this is something that we saw with GPS systems like Garmin uh, in the mid-early 2000s. Yeah. You know, like these were seemingly great companies and uh, all here comes the smartwatch or the smartphone. And, you know, they have the GPS capabilities on the smartphone. It just totally decimated the core market for these companies and kind of caused them to have to pivot into something else. And so I think as you see uh, the Apple Watch, the apps get better, the ecosystem build out, and the integration become better. Uh, that's another thing that they kind of have to be wary of. Sure, sure. So I have two more things that I would like to discuss. The first one's kind of just your opinion on this. You don't have to commit, <laughs> but what do you think? you think this is a stock that that you would buy into? I think uh, short term. Uh, it's a nice opportunity. Uh, like I love that it's profitable. I love the growth rates. Um, you know, they were up 175 percent in revenue 2013 over 2014, yeah, which exactly. is awesome. So, um, you know, that's fantastic. Uh, I worry about the long term prospects because I think uh, we're going to see something similar to what we saw with GPS systems. Yeah, it's you know the potential for technology and for consumer products. You know, there's always the potential for that game changer thing to come out and just ruin everybody else's yeah. market and profits, essentially. And as soon as one of those conglomerates is willing to commit the resources to really building out a robust system, um, you know, they, they can hang out. But. Fair enough, fair enough. So the last thing is, it was actually something that came up in the news and kind of, I guess, soiled this really great IPO process, and that is a lawsuit that Jawbone, which is kind of one of Fitbit's main competitors for the wearables and kind of gadgets market, and basically suing Fitbit for poaching employees. And in the process, you know, those employees before leaving Jawbone were taking sensitive internal documents, um, presentations about feature strategy and, and things like that. What do you think? Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, that's that's very tech. I feel like you know to, to have that kind of stuff going on. Um, it's it's definitely something to keep an eye on. I don't know what a what kind of liability that's going to be long term. I, I think it's too early to tell, but it is kind of interesting. Like a tr- you know, a true case of corporate espionage, basically. <laughs> yeah, you said they were like grabbing stuff off thumb drives. Yeah, and exactly. Sending stuff on personal emails. Like, mm-hmm. so that's just something to keep in mind too. Uh, you know, like I said, it's a little early to try and determine what might happen from the legal proceedings, but that will be something they have to. I think they're. Fitbit's in good position to handle that too, though they have quite a bit of cash from this offering to yeah. deal with any legal <laughs> battles, right? Yeah. So, so yeah, very exciting company. Couple things to keep an eye on down the road. Exactly. All right. Well, thank you very much, Dylan. Always I a pleasure. That. Um, you know, before we go, I wanted to make our listeners aware of a special offer. If you found this discussion informative and you're looking for more foolish stock ideas, Stock Advisor may be the service for you. Uh, it's our flagship newsletter started more than 10 years ago by Motley Fool co-founders Tom and David Gardner. We're offering the lowest price out there for our industry-focused l- listeners, $98 for a two-year subscription to Stock Advisor. You'll get two stock recommendations every month with insight from a team of analysts. Go to focus.fool.com to take advantage of the deal. Again, that's focus.fool.com. And as always, people in the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear here. So this is Vincent Shen, and for Dylan Lewis, thank you for listening to Industry Focus. Focus.